This episode is brought to you by La Quinta by Wyndham. Your work can take you all over the place, like Texas. You've never been, but it's going to be great because you're staying at La Quinta by Wyndham. Their free bright side breakfast will give you energy for the day ahead. And after, you can unwind using their free high-speed Wi-Fi. Tonight, La Quinta. Tomorrow, you shine. Book your stay today at LQ.com. Hello, and welcome to the American Patchwork and Quilting Podcast. I'm Lindsay Mayland, and I'm so excited to be here with you. Now, we talk about a lot of things on the show, uh, but I think I have been neglecting quilt backings. And part of the reason is because the front of the quilt gets all the attention. Uh, it's the part you display, they look good in pictures for social media, and it's really what you've spent the majority of your time sewing to finish a project. But quilt backings are also an important part of a quilt, and they deserve some love on this podcast too. So I'm excited to chat backings today. So first, let's talk some basics. The quilt backing needs to be larger than the quilt top to allow extra for fabric that's taken up during quilting process. And if you're quilting on a long arm frame, that extra fabric helps to stabilize the quilt on the frame. So it's recommended to add eight inches to both the length and the width measurements of your quilt. Uh, so you have an extra four inches of fabric all the way around. Uh, so I, I try to adhere to this rule as much as I can, but there have definitely been many times when I've run short of fabric um, or, you know, I'm trying to use my stash and I end up with a backing that's maybe like just a few inches larger than the quilt top. And it always makes me nervous when I'm quilting the quilt, but it's always worked out for me. So, you know, <laughs> I've been lucky so far. So you can adjust the rules a little if you need to and just be safe and be conscious of it. Um... And if you're sending the quilt to be quilted by a long arm quilter, it's always best to check in with them uh, before you make your backing in case they have preferred backing size they like to use. Um, also, backing fabric should follow the same care requirements as the quilt top. So basically, if you pre-washed your fabrics for the quilt top, you'll want to pre-wash your backing fabrics um, or don't pre-wash anything. So you just want to treat them both the same way. Otherwise that could cause some issues with puckering or bleeding later in the process. So when you're piecing backing pieces together, if you need to piece them, you want to make sure to trim the selvage off. Um, and you want to piece with a half an inch seam allowance that just provides extra stability in case there's any raveling of seams. Um, and then of course, we recommend pressing backing seams open to distribute the weight evenly and prevent a bulky seam running through your quilt, but I really dislike pressing seams open, uh, so I always press my backing seam to one side and the bulk hasn't bothered me yet, so I do whatever you're comfortable with. Um, also, a fun fact I just learned, and maybe this is really well known, but did you know that if your quilt is smaller in width than 60 inches, piecing your backings with a horizontal seam saves the most fabric, 
while quilts larger than 60 inches wide uh, use fabric the most efficiently with a vertical seams. So I just learned that and now I always have that in my head when I'm piecing my quilt back so I'm not wasting yardage or using it in a less efficient way. So now let's talk about choosing the perfect backing fabric. So a back, backing is a great place to show off um, maybe like a large scale print that includes some of the same colors as those in your quilt top. Uh, I've even used panel prints on the back of my quilts before and just add borders around them to equal the right size if I need to. And if you're not the most confident in your machine quilting skills, uh, opt for a busier print for your backing because all of the colors and prints and design will hide the stitching lines. Um, but also on the flip side, if you plan to do amazing machine quilting, a solid fabric or a tone-on-tone -tone fabric can showcase the quilting exceptionally. In fact, I always look at the backings of quilts that have great machine quilting because those are just works of art in themselves and sometimes you can see that amazing machine quilting better on the backing than you can on the front of the quilt. This is just a personal preference, but I do try to avoid directional prints on my backings or those with a like a distinct pattern to line up like stripes, plaid, like other complicated patterns like that because I just don't have the patience to fussy cut and carefully line up those backing pieces and a lot of times using those type of prints you, you end up with fabric waste because just of how you need to line things up. Um, but I have seen other people align their backing pieces with complicated patterns and it always amazes me. So if you have the patience and the extra fabric on hand and you wanna do it, go for it. I just personally like to choose more all over prints um, or small scale prints so that I don't have to worry about how I piece it together. There are also now more and more options for wide backings on the market. Um, so if you're making a larger quilt, like a throw or a bed size quilt, you can buy wide backing fabric, which measures 108 inches wide instead of the usual 42 inches wide that you would find on a normal bolt of fabric. Um, and that can help you avoid piecing your backing at all. Um, these first came on the market, there wasn't that many colors or designs available, but now that more people are using them, they're coming out with more options. Um, and local quilt stores are starting to carry them a lot more and you can also buy them online. So I have yet to try a wide backing. It sounds kind of like a dream, like I don't have to piece anything, how great is that? So I might need to get that on my list to try soon. Also, many people like to choose flannel or a plush fabric for the backing to give the quilt a little extra warm touch. So I personally like choosing flannel for the backing. Um, I find plush to be too messy for me to work with, but either one is a very cozy choice. Uh, just a note when you're choosing backing fabric, uh, we don't recommend that you use a bed sheet for your backing. Um, and you know me, I'm a big fan of saying kind of quilting has no rules and encouraging people to do what works for them. Uh, but I will tell you the reasoning behind not using a bed sheet and let you make your own decision about it. 
Um, so usually the thread count of bed sheets is much higher in um, bed sheets than in common quilting fabric. And because of the tighter weave, when you sew through it, your needle can break the sheet's threads when it pierces through. Um, instead of kind of pushing the threads out of the way as it does with quilting fabric. So it can leave holes or kind of diminish the stability of the sheet or your backing fabric. Um, but I will just say, you know, you learn the rules so you can break them. I just bought a cotton flannel sheet set and used that as backing for a quilt I made a few months ago. And I know f cotton flannel has probably the same thread count as, you know, quilting flannel you might buy, so that probably works better, but I had no problems whatsoever, um, so flannel may be an exception to this rule, and I found it very easy to uh, buy the flannel sheet set and very economical. <laughs> it was a lot cheaper than buying up that much flannel fabric, so I would, I would say experiment, do what you need to do for that, um, and maybe report back if you have had luck using different materials than just normal quilting cotton for your backing. Um, and finally, I want to share a few fun ways to customize your quilt backing because you're allowed to have fun and show off your skills on the back of your quilt too. So I am a big fan of using extra blocks and leftover fabric from the front of my quilt to make my back backing. I think piece backings are really fun and it allows me to save money because I'm using fabric I already own. I also really like using pre-cuts such as 10 inch squares or five inch squares to kind of piece a colorful band of fabric that I can piece between maybe two solid or tone on tone prints in the backing to just add that little pop of color. But you could get really creative with your backings and I mean maybe you design a like a really large scale block for the back of your quilt, such as like a large star block or churn dash or flying geese or plus sign, heart block. I mean, there's so many fun blocks that you could piece that would be easy for the back of your quilt. And if you're giving the quilt as a gift, consider personalizing the backing to showcase fabric that matches the occasion or the you know the favorite things of the person you're gifting it to or you could even piece a small block or applique to help personalize it such as maybe a monogram of the person's last name uh, maybe there's some pieced numbers for an anniversary or birthday or maybe you even applique like a birthday cake a wedding ring or you know some other fun small motif to help symbolize the event so really the sky is the limit. So I encourage you to Google uh, images of quilt backings for inspiration or look at the hashtag quilt backings on Instagram. Uh, it's so fun to see how other quilters are personalizing their backing. Um, and there's so many good photos and options out there to kind of see what other people are doing. So it'll hopefully inspire you and get you to feel creative about your quilt backings. So we'll actually link to our quilt backing guide in the show notes. Um, our guide has some of this information, but it also offers a lot of the math of figuring out how much yardage you need to buy, um, kind of figure out the best way to 
horizontally or vertically seam your quilt. So that's all there for easy reference. It's a really great resource. Um, I look at that page on our website every time I make a quilt backing to figure out how much fabric I need because um, I can never remember the math for it. So we're going to take a quick ad break, but when we come back, we're chatting with Kim from Feel Good Fibers. Your brain needs support, and new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L-theanine, and caffeine, Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y dot These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back. Now I'm handing the mic over to Elizabeth, the art director of American Patchwork and Quilting, for her chat with Kim from Feel Good Fibers. Kim was recently featured in our April 2022 issue of American Patchwork and Quilting and a story about sustainable sewing, and we wanted to dive a little more into the topic with her. Feel Good Fibers is a website to buy and sell pre-owned fabric, and Kim also offers decluttering coaching services. So I can't wait to hear more. Take it away, Elizabeth. Kim, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast today. I am just so excited to have this conversation with you and get to know a little bit more about you. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, well, let's just start at the beginning. Let's have you share a little bit about yourself and maybe where your passion for quilting first began. Sure. Um, I began quilting almost 12 years ago when my mom, also a quilter, gave me my first sewing machine for Valentine's Day. Oh, that's and like coming up on an anniversary then. It is. It is. And I've been hooked ever since. <laughs> Wonderful. Um, and... So I first was introduced to you and your online shop, Feel Good Fibers, when we started researching for our sustainable sewing story in American Patchwork and Quilting. And when I started just digging into your website and your blog, I was just so impressed by the concept and, and your ethos behind everything. Um, it just was so, it could just see your passion come through across for everything. So um, I guess I'm curious where that I, that idea started for Feel Good Fibers. Where did it come from? And, and what really makes your shop unique from other online fabric stores? Well, first, thank you so much. That's such a huge compliment to me because I really do feel so passionately. And we've really built Feel Good Fibers from our hearts. So that means a lot. Um, Feel Good Fibers really came from the dream of creating a central marketplace for quilters to buy and sell fabric from one another. We tend to accumulate so much fabric in our stashes that we don't necessarily need or want anymore, 
but because everything is usable, we don't really know how to let go of it. But having a centralized de-stash marketplace is a way for quilters to let go of that fabric and know that it's going to a home where it will be used and loved by another quilter. So that was kind of the thought behind it. And we wanted it to feel like an online quilt shop. We wanted it, rather than being a de-stash on a social media account, to really feel like it was accessible to everybody, that you didn't have to have a large following in order to be able to de-stash, and you didn't have to de-stash a large amount of fabric at a time. You could, as you decided that you didn't want something anymore, rather than having to hold on to it, could put it up for sale on Feel Good Fibers and know that it would find a new home. Yeah, that's such an amazing concept because, you know, you'll see friends that you know on social media that will say, you know, I'm de-stashing my stash. I, you know, does anyone want this? You will reach out to each other. But like, sometimes that feels very limited to just the people you know. And so you're really opening up that online community for people and creating that one central place people can go um, to, to share and pass on their, their use their secondhand pre-loved fabrics to someone else that will actually use it. I think that's so amazing. What a great idea. Thank you. So how does someone actually go about pre-selling their fabrics with your website? What are the kind of the logistics behind that? Do you get inundated with just packages coming to you and then you ship them out or are they doing all of that on their ends? So a uh, seller will ship directly to the person that purchases the fabric through our website. Um, when you set up an account on Feel Good Fibers, you will create a shop name and that will become your DStash account name. And this is the name of your store. And then in your store, you'll be able to list your fabric with photos, a description and the price. We have shipping built into that price. We have our sellers so that all of the shipping is essentially free. And when someone comes to purchase from the website, they can purchase from multiple stash stores at one time, all in one order. Oh, what a great idea. Yeah, that's awesome. So in addition to the, the online store, which is such a great resource for people, you also have um, a blog that you keep up and post about called Good Vibes. Is that right? Yes. Yes. And so you talk a lot about the topics of sustainability and also about um, organization and decluttering, just lots of tips and tricks that you share with people that have have you always been interested in those topics of sustainability and organization or is, is this a more recent passion? I think that as I got deeper into my love of quilting, I also became really aware of how much stuff there is in the quilting world. There is just so much fabric and there's so many patterns and rulers and it can sometimes feel overwhelming and I tend to like to have a less is more mentality. I keep things simple and try to focus on staying organized so that I can feel more creative in my space. And I think it all kind of flowed from there. Yeah, I, I mean, I could talk about the topic of organization all day long. I love it so much. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I think that's true. At least for me, I know that when my space is um you know, more organized and more clean and tidy, I feel more creative. And I know that can be true for, for a lot of people. So uh, what yeah, I, I really believe that what is in our external environment 
deeply influences our internal world. And I believe <laughs> our creativity comes from that. So yeah, yeah I always joke with uh, friends and coworkers that you can tell how I'm doing um, mentally with like stress levels, if you can see the space around me, if it's getting cluttered, or my desktop on my computer is cluttered, like, that's a direct reflection of how I'm feeling. So, so true. Yeah, I think that's true for a lot of quilters too. So, um, but you know, <clears throat> that topic of, you know, decluttering your stash or organize, organizing your works in progress can, it can be really overwhelming. Um, and a lot of people need some help to like maybe distance themselves from some of the emotions of um, attachments to things or just like, uh, you know, just get that those little bits of things to get started that motivation and you offer decluttering professional decluttering services on your website. Can you tell us a little bit more about those services you offer? Sure. Um, I really believe that when we started Feel Good Fibers, we wanted to support the entire person. So not just by offering the de-stash marketplace, but also by helping quilters to get to the place where they could de-stash because creating with intention and having an intentional space is so important to our whole philosophy. So I offer one-on-one -on -one coaching sessions to sewists that are looking to declutter their spaces. Everything takes place over Zoom. And I will work with you to help you get a handle on your projects, let go of things that you no longer want to make. Um, we will work together to sort and organize your space so that you know what you have and what you no longer want. We create systems for managing future purchases and future projects. And we'll sometimes even handle, you know, layout and space arrangements and I help with any mental blocks that are holding sewists back from being able to create a sewing room that really works for them and really supports them in their most creative self. Yeah, oh, that sounds like such a great service to offer. Um, what have been some of the reactions you've um, had back from some of your previous clients that have you know, successfully gone through that process with you? Most people can't believe how much lighter they feel in their space, they can't, believe how much of a burden it was on them to have clutter around them. And they just feel relief. Mm. Um, a lot of people also tell me how much more productive they feel because they don't have to move piles of stuff from one place to another, where they can find things as soon as they need it rather than having to look for it. Um, and sometimes people just really need the help to let go of things. And so a lot of people say that they feel like it was the final permission that they needed to let go of things that they no longer wanted to hold on to or make anymore. Yeah. And I'm, and I'm sure like a direct result of that is that they have more time to be creative and do the things we love, which is, you know, ultimately what it's all about, right? Exactly. Hey, it's Lindsay. I'm so sorry to interrupt, but we have to take a quick ad break. We'll be back soon with more from Kim. So you, you touched on briefly like uh, about these roadblocks that quilters um, sometimes experience. What are some of the most common roadblocks that you find quilters stumbling upon when they, you know, they talk, they come to you and they're like, I want to be more organized. I, I want to start decluttering, but I don't know where to start. What are some of those common roadblocks? I, I think you hit on one right there. Not knowing where to start is a big one. Uh, a lot of people that that holds them back because they feel so overwhelmed. 
Um, one of the most common things that people want is they want things to be perfect on the first try. They want to put things where they're going to go for their forever home. And what I help them realize is that we might not be putting something in the perfect place when we take it off the floor or we put it up on the shelf. But as we get more organized and we get more flow in the room, we'll start to understand what the best place is for that. And then we'll be able to see where we can move it. And I think just helping them to understand you're not doing the work tr twice. This is part of the, the process mm -hmm. that really is helpful to them. So that's a huge block. Um, other blocks that they have is saying that they don't have enough time or maybe not knowing what they want their space to look like in the end. Those are all things that prevent people from getting started in the first place. Yeah. Oh, I like what you were saying about, you know, it's not about the perfection and more about progress. I've heard that phrase a lot. It's about progress over perfection. Exactly. And as a self-proclaimed perfectionist, it's nice to hear that, that permission given that like, it's a process, you know, you'll, you'll get there. <laughs> we learn so, over time. Exactly. Yeah. And I also feel like sometimes you feel like uh, maybe I just need to purchase that you know, organization system that's just going to make it perfect. If I had, you know, this amount of dream space to work with, or if I had this uh, storage, you know, cabinet, then I'd be more organized. But maybe it's not always about buying, buying more things for the space. A hundred percent. As soon as I start working with someone, the first thing that we do is we put a halt on buying. Ah. Because <laughs> whether it's more fabric, more projects, or more storage, we don't need to bring anything else into the space until we get a handle on what's already there. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times we find that we actually don't need more storage. It's just that we need to let go of things or have better systems for storing what we do have. Um. One of the posts that I read about on your blog that like really resonated with me was um, you had made this post about um, oftentimes um, there's there's additional costs associated with holding on to things besides that initial investment, that initial cost. And I think sometimes that's hard to remember that maybe holding on to something um, cost you more in the end than that initial investment, which is all we can really focus on is like, oh, I spent m good money on this. So of course, I'm going to keep it. But you have an interesting idea there about the additional costs. Could you explain a little bit more about that concept? Sure, absolutely. Um, uh, so often, we're focused on the financial investment that we made in an item that we don't want to throw it away. But by holding on to it, we are actually paying a different price. We can be paying the price mentally by increased anxiety in our spaces, or we're paying it with time by having to look for things and repurchase them if we can't find them. We sometimes pay in our relationships if our family is tired of the sewing supplies sneaking out of the sewing room and creeping into the family room or other parts of the house. And we pay with our creativity because it's hard to be productive when we're stuck in a room full of clutter and things that don't inspire us. Yeah. Oh, that's such a good idea that just like thinking about it in that way, I think really kind of changes the relationship we have with some of the things we own. Um, so I like yeah. to tell people that sometimes the price that we paid isn't for the item, but for the experience of knowing whether or not we like something. Yeah. And so kind of like a movie, 
where you come away with the experience and you don't have anything to hold in your hand. You could think of purchasing something that you don't actually want to make as the experience of learning that you don't want to do another project like that. <laughs> yeah, it's all about learning more about yourself, right? Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Well, Kim, I just have found that your your blog and the posts that you do are just so inspiring and encouraging. Nothing about the process as you present it is overwhelming or intimidating. And you don't offer like, you don't talk about like shame in the process of getting rid of things. Because I think that's another emotion is that we can feel like shame and guilt for getting rid of things. But I just feel like you approach everything in such a respectful and joyful way. Um, and I and I love that you even create motivational playlists on your blog for quilters to help inspire. <laughs> like that's such a fun idea. And it's just, I really encourage our listeners to visit your your blog, your website, um, and just be inspired. So thank you for creating such a fun and unique space for quilters. Thank you so much for having me. This has been amazing. Yeah. So for any one last question, if there's any listeners that are feeling you know, especially motivated to get inspired and start organizing their fabric stash or their sewing space, what is one first step that they can make? Oh, my favorite first step for anybody is to get a handle on the projects that they have in their room. Mm. So it doesn't sound glamorous, but I encourage everyone to make a list of every kit, partially pieced quilt, every quilt top, fabric pull for a pattern, anything that's on your mental to-do list. And so often my clients will say, oh, well, I only have about 10 works in progress. And then they'll come back for our next meeting and they'll say, I actually counted close to 80. Oh my gosh, yeah. <laughs> it's a <laughs> big difference. Because we don't realize how many projects we have even on our mind that you know might not necessarily be fully started, but it's still on our to-do list. So once we have a whole list of everything, then we can prioritize and maybe let go of the things that we're probably not going to get to and have a better handle of what's going on in our sewing rooms. It's really a great way to get started in the entire process. Great. Well, thank you so much for sharing your expertise and your passion with us today, Kim. I know I am feeling more motivated. I'm going to start with that to-do list today. (laughs) And I know our listeners will feel more motivated also. So thank you so much. Thank you so much. This has been wonderful. Thank you. Hey, it's Lindsay. Thanks so much to both Elizabeth and Kim for this conversation. It was so inspiring. Uh, Kim's blog and social media is just so beautiful and full of the best tips, so definitely check it out. We'll link to Kim's social media and Feel Good Fibers in our show notes so that you can connect with them more and maybe even shop or sell fabric on their website. And that's all we have for today's show. Uh, Just a reminder that we're doing an Ask Us Anything podcast later in March. So if you have a question to ask our staff, shoot it over to me at apqpodcast at merith.com. That's listed in our show notes. Uh, We've been getting some great questions in and I'm very excited to answer them. So keep them coming. Everyone have the best week and I'll chat with you all later.